You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Well, today I'm excited to share with you on God's warrior women. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good setting for that because there's a lot more women <laughs> than men here. God's warrior women. And this is number 14 in Restoring the Soul. We will beginning with, we're going to begin with Psalm 68. One verse from there, but I may read a couple more. And I'm going to pray, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, we want to thank you for this day. It's a special day. It's Mother's Day. And we're here to celebrate you and your goodness and power. And you've put this message on my heart about your warrior women and how you have called your women to do surprising things for your glory and to do mighty exploits for you. Thank you that each woman here is a mighty warrior. And I'm praying that you would use this message, take it, let it go into the homes and hearts of many people and be glorified. And give me exactly what you want me to share in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we'll put our hands on our hearts, please, and say this with me. Dear Jesus... Speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name. Amen. Okay. God's warrior women. Here is Psalm 68, verse 11. The Lord announces the word. And the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng or army. The Lord announces the word and the women who proclaim it are a mighty, I add army there, a mighty army. It's a throng, a, a multitude. A, it, uh, the word sava, sava in Hebrew where you have Lord Savuot, you know, Yahweh Savuot, the Lord of the hosts, the Lord of the heavenly armies. Well, here it's describing the women as the same way, just like he is called. They are his mighty army. They are his mighty army. So the Lord announces the word and the women who proclaim it. Uh, it could also be said, the women who share the good news, who proclaim the good news, are a mighty army. Well, Psalm 68, verse 1, is a quite, uh, quite militant psalm. It begins, with, it begins with, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his, may his foes flee before him, may his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke as, mac as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. The enemies that are being spoken of here are having to do with spiritual forces, the forces of darkness, uh, the devil and his hordes. And so there's a spiritual warfare I once prayed this and somebody got upset with me because they thought I was thinking about natural enemies. But no, no, this is the enemies of, of God's spiritual enemies. It talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 being the principalities and powers and forces of the dark world. And they, they cause people to sin. They cause people to uh, be in bondage, oppression. 
Uh, we were talking with Annette before she worked in New York City with David Wilkerson, helping rescue people from a life of drugs and, and addiction and uh, oppression and homelessness and give them purpose in Jesus, bring the good news. So she's one of those mighty women. <laughs> You're one of those mighty women that are part of this army that Psalm 68 is talking about. Well, it says here, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered. How is he going to do this? He's going to use his people, especially women. Again, the Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. And it talks about this God being powerful and victorious all throughout this psalm. So let me... Move forward here. Here's an example of a woman of God, Miriam, Exodus 15, 20 to 21. And this is after God brought the deliverance through the Red Sea. This is what it says about Miriam. Now, Miriam is the name that Mary had. We call, we call Jesus' mother Mary, her Jewish name would have been Miriam. Miriam. So it's, uh, her name was taken after, uh, taken after Miriam here and Moses' uh, sister and Aaron's sister here. Miriam, the prophetess. Aaron's sister took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. So there's a few things I want to bring out here is that Miriam is called a prophet. In the feminine of the Hebrew, it's prophetess. Uh, we can also say prophet. Miriam is called a prophet. So here we have a woman who is a prophet. Now, sadly, in the church uh, and uh, sometimes in the world, uh, they have suppressed uh, women. Uh, of course, not just sometimes, it has happened a lot where women have been uh, oppressed and uh, told, uh, don't talk, be silent. And uh, they usually distort scripture. And using that scripture where Paul talks about women being quiet but let me say that scripture has to do with women not causing a commotion in church or causing issues or problems. That's not you, okay? <laughs> All right, that's not you. Uh, but we, but uh, <laughs> Anna says it could be, but no, not, not this morning, right? But I have seen, though, sometimes women causing a commotion. I had one... One lady, I would be preaching, and she would be trying to correct me and speak over me and things like that. And, and, uh, and uh, I've, seen a, I've seen that in some cases. That's what Paul is talking about. He is not talking about women not speaking or doing ministry or uh, being mighty for God. So I want to take the lid off and say, you can be whoever God has called you to be. And you can fulfill his will. And right there in the beginning, second book, second book of the Bible, Miriam is a prophetess. Uh, so if it's in the Old Testament, it can be in the New Testament, definitely. And we'll see that soon as we go throughout the scriptures. So Miriam the prophetess, uh, Aaron's sister took the timbrel in her hand. And we know that praise is warfare. We talked about praise and how powerful it is, and it's warfare, and it drives back the enemy. And here she's celebrating, but she has a whole company of women that are with timbrels and dancing, and they're, they're uh, declaring the Lord's goodness. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and his rider, he has hurled into the sea. We have that old tambourine, right, from Anna's mom. Anna's mom used to be in the Salvation Army, and they would take the tambourines, and they would dance, and they would celebrate. Uh, and we have this tambourine, and it says on it, you, you've written on it? Uh, this is the day, is it? This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. 
And so here we see an example of a woman who God used and also a whole company, a whole army of women who praised the Lord, who were not silent, who lifted up their praise to God. Here is another one early in the scriptures, Judges 5, 7. So one of the things I want to bring out is uh, it's a misinterpretation to think that God wants all the women to be quiet and kind of serve in the background and do nothing, nothing significant. And uh, there's a misinterpretation to say, oh, the Bible says that. No, no, the Bible doesn't say that. And I'm going to show you so many examples that uh, you will be able to say, oh, so uh, some religious people have had it wrong. And uh, here's an example of God using a woman leader all the way back in Judges. You would know it. Villagers in Israel would not fight. This is her, this is her uh, prophetic word. And it's called the Song of Deborah. It's in Judges chapter 5. A whole entire chapter is devoted to this song. Uh, so you have here Deborah speaking for a whole chapter. Now, let me just say something here. You have a whole chapter devoted to Deborah speaking and prophesying. Here is the scripture. A whole chapter is devoted to a woman speaking and prophesying. The scripture is read in church. And if, it is, if the scripture is read in church and this portion is read, a woman is speaking in church. So that kind of blows out of the water people who say a woman should not speak in church because you have a, a, either a man reading the scripture of a woman prophesying for a whole entire chapter. So we always need to put scripture in context, put it in context to understand it. Villagers in Israel, so this is what she says, villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. Did you hear that? The whole entire uh, people of Israel were holding back. They were all holding back. They weren't fighting. They were being oppressed. They had no purpose or leadership until a woman arose, and her name is Deborah. And in Hebrew, it's Deborah, and Deborah means bee, bee, like zzzz. So she arises to sting the enemy. She arises to sting the enemy. She is like also like a queen bee. Oh, through arising, all of Israel starts to gather to her and they start to fight back against the enemy and the forces of darkness that are coming against them. So villages in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. So today, God is wanting women to arise. He's wanting you to arise. There's no excuses. You can't give me a biblical excuse. And you can't just say, oh, you know, I, I can't do it. He's looking for you to arise like Deborah. He's, the Lord is looking for women to arise all across the world like Deborah. And God will use them as leaders and mothers. A mother in Israel, and this is a warrior, you know, because she's going to fight. She's going to gather uh, the armies of Israel to herself and call them to action. Call them to action. The song starts off, the song of Deborah starts off like this, Judges 5, 1. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel lead, oh, sorry, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. And this is the beginning of God doing something as these leaders arise and 
as she arose, she arose, and then the leaders arose, and there was a whole revolution that happened during that time for Israel that she was called one of the judges. Deborah was called one of the judges of Israel. So don't underestimate yourself as a woman and realize that in these end times, just like what God did in the book of Judges he is doing today, he is causing women to arise, to realize their authority, to know that they can bring great change. Notice that she calls herself a mother, a mother in Israel. And so the mother wasn't just, you know, put in the background here, the mother's at center stage. But ultimately, her purpose is to put Yahweh, God, at center stage to praise him and to bless him. But the, the, uh, the church needs leaders. The world needs leaders. And here is the thing about leadership. If good people don't arise, then it's the bad people that fill the vacuum of leadership. So if you remain quiet, like Esther, you know, she said, maybe it's for such a time as this, but if she remained quiet, then uh, the Jews would have not been delivered at that time some other way, uh, most likely, as the book says. But she wasn't to remain silent. She was to speak, and she was to rise up, and so God used Esther. And so the Bible is filled of filled with God using women to turn things around, to bring revolution. So we should not have a, a false idea uh, that creeps in. Uh, false humility and, and false teaching and, and uh, all these types of things, or maybe our own intimidation. How could God use me? Even Moses said that. Well, look at that tomorrow night at Bible school. He said, me, anohi, uh, who am I? Who am I that I should do this? He didn't think much of himself, but the Lord was saying, focus on me. Focus on me. Who am I? <laughs> the Lord was saying. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow night, so I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> All right. We've got that. Our cat's always trying to, we got a new cat, Sonny, and the cat is always trying to run out of the house and scare, and it's only a little, little kitten, so, well, what, four months old, five months old now? So it's been staying in the house. I opened up the door last night, and the cat, I mean, the cat was on the other side of the house, but so hungry to get out of the house. That <laughs> it darted, <laughs> like almost knocked me over and ran out and hit in the, hit in the bushes. <laughs> and Anna rescued her dear little cat. She, cat has two names, Sunny and Nacho. And Allie likes to call the cat Nacho because he's like orange. <laughs> As mischievous, you know, it gets into everybody's cups. And it likes to put its head in the cups and, and put his paw in the, the water of the drink and, and even sometimes feeds itself like a, like a human. <laughs> so today, and we've already started, and today we will see... Excuse me. Today we will see how God is causing his warrior women to arise and why the Lord calls women to preach, teach, minister, and lead. So today we will see how God is causing his warrior women to arise and why the Lord calls women to preach, teach, minister, and lead. So let's talk about this some more. So this infographic I've been working on, I've been putting a, a fair bit of time into this, and this is one of the questions that I get asked. Uh, can women preach? Can women teach? 
can women lead? So let's look at this from a biblical perspective and talk about this, why women should preach, but also, I mean, why women should teach and, and minister and lead. Uh, it, I'm covering all those topics. So why women should preach. Are we ready to get into this? From the beginning of Scripture until its finale, God uses women in surprising ways. Jesus even refers to his church as his bride, a feminine uh, metaphor. The Lord announces the word. We read this in the beginning. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. That's Psalm 68, verse 11. So why should women preach first? Scripture records women prophesying. If the Bible records women prophesying and the Bible is read in church, then women are not silent in church. God speaks through them. And I made that point before. Did you get that? Hear it. Amen to that. Notable female prophetic messages in Scripture are Deborah's, Deborah's song, which is Judges 5, 1 through 31, Hannah's prophetic prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 through 10, and Mary's Magnificat, which is very much like Hannah's prophetic prayer in Luke 1, 48 through 55. So we'll look at Mary, uh, Mary's Magnificat in Luke, which Mary's name would have been Miriam in Hebrew. Luke 1... Luke 1, verse 46. How about, we, how about I read the, the whole thing here? And Mary said, and so Mary's words, her voice, and this prophetic prayer song are important to God. My soul glorifies the Lord. That's why it's called a magnificat. It's like magnifying. That's a Latin word for magnifying the Lord. So my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So Mary makes it all about God. All about God magnifying the Lord. And this is how a woman of God lives and a man of God living to glorify the Lord in everything. Verse 50, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. So there we have Mary's prayer, song, prophetic word, all about humility too, how God uses the humble. So we got to remember that. God wants to use us as mighty warriors. But he also wants us to stay humble. <laughs> so those are the two things you have to balance. Uh, one is a boldness and confidence to speak for God, to do his will, but also the humility to be surrendered to him, in submission to him, to ask wisdom and advice. A lot of people today don't ask any wisdom or advice or counsel from older women of God or from pastors. They tend to just tell older people what they're doing, and they think that's honoring, is uh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and they tell all their plans, but they don't ask for wisdom and counsel. The Scripture teaches us that the right way, the honorable way, is ask for wisdom and counsel. Just, you, it, it's not when you ask for, it's not you asking for someone to control your life. You have to weigh up what they say. You have to make the ultimate decision. You, 
have to go to God with it. But ask, ask for wisdom, ask for counsel. Just don't go out and do things. Uh, make sure that you're doing God's will and it's tested. So the first reason why women should preach, Scripture records women prophesying. That means speaking God's word with authority by the Spirit of God. And then next, now I've mentioned this, I've mentioned these things throughout different uh, messages, but I wanted to put it all and sum it up in one uh, message and one infographic so, so that we would really understand the Father's heart toward women, the Father's heart to use women, that he hasn't uh, put m women in the background Next thing is God promises your sons and daughters. Sorry, I'll need to, uh, I'll need to update my little infographic there because it's a singular and <laughs> it's meant to be plural. God promises your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So both male and female. We'll read that in a second. The outpouring of God's spirit moves both males and females to prophesy and proclaim God's word. In the last days, Acts 2.17, in the last days. And we're in the last days right now. It began with Jesus' coming and death and resurrection. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. So let's look at this some more. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. When the COVID thing happened, people started to get all, uh, uh, all in a frenzy. And they say, oh, it's the last days. It's the last days now. Guess what? I kept on telling people, it's been the last days. Wake up. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. We have a purpose. God is pouring out his spirit. His goal is to try to bring as many people into his kingdom as possible. COVID hasn't changed anything about God's plan. Nothing has changed. It's just brought some stress so that we would wake up and actually act and do what God says. But it doesn't mean that the times have changed. We're in, still in the last days, and God is still doing what he's doing, and he's pouring out his spirit on all those who are hungry and humble, like Mary was uh, prophesying. So here in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, this is Peter's response to what God is doing in Pentecost, and that's coming up very soon on our calendar the Feast of Pentecost. Well, this is Peter's response. He's responding, saying, you, what you're seeing here, this outpouring of the Spirit, people uh, speaking in other tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it looks like they're crazy, but they're not. God is doing something here uh, miraculous. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision, your visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And then listen to this, even on my servants, both men and women. So notice, both men and women. Say that with me. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. They will prophesy. Hallelujah. And then... The third reason women should preach, teach, minister, lead is the father entrusted Mary to carry the living word. <laughs> Who is the living word? Jesus. So here in John chapter 1, Jesus is called the living word, or he's called the word. He's called the word, which we... I'm referring to as the living word. He's called the word. The word was made flesh, dwelt among us. And the father entrusted Mary to carry, to carry in her womb the word of God, which is Jesus. Can anything more reveal how our father values women? That he chose, that he chose Mary, a humble woman, poor to carry his word, to carry his son. 
the Father entrusted the salvation of the world, Jesus, to be birthed through a woman. And Jesus brought the greatest revolution to this world. And that Jesus revolution didn't begin in the 70s. It began in the first century. 70s just kind of woke up to it. But the Jesus revolution hasn't stopped. You're part of that. And it's going to grow and spread and multiply as more people say, be it done to me according to your word, like Mary said. We'll read that in a second. But here it is. God is using a woman to bring a revolution again, just like in Deborah's day. And just like with Hannah giving birth to Samuel. And Samuel led to David, uh, the anointing of David. And David brought great transformation. So the Father entrusted the salvation of the world, Jesus, to be birthed through a woman. And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant. In, in Hebrew, it often, often is said, Hineni, Hineni. So for those of our Bible school, uh, Deborah, Deborah is a Dalit word, starts with Dalit. And then Hineni is the next letter that we're covering tomorrow night is Hey. And Hineni, the prophets, when God would appear to the prophets, they would say Hineni, which means here I am. I present myself, but it also could mean behold me. It means all of those things. So it's like God appears to the prophet and he says, Hineni. It's like a term of I'm at your service. Uh, I'm here to listen to you and do what you say. And this is what's captured in these words that Mary is saying, behold, the Lord's bondservant. I'm your servant, she's saying. And then it goes on to say, may it be done to me according to your word. May it be done to me according to your word. In other words, I receive your word. I receive what you want to do, that I'm to carry your son and I'm to uh, conceive, though I'm a virgin. I'm, I'm receiving it, even though it's going to mean that people misunderstand me and people ostracize me and people accuse me of... Uh, not living a moral life, be it on to me according to your word. Even though it means me, quote unquote, carrying the cross, let it be done. I'm willing to bear the reproach because it's what you say. It's what you want. So she was a revolutionary woman who birthed this Jesus revolution. God used a woman again. Another reason why, the fourth reason, Women testified first about the resurrection. Women testified first about the resurrection. The women who visited Jesus' grave were the first to witness the empty tomb and proclaim the resurrection to the apostles. So it was the women who told the apostles, Jesus rose from the dead. And they're like, what? No, no, we don't believe you. And they go running to the tomb. But who was entrusted with the message first? It was the women especially Mary Magdalene. Uh, she's in, and we'll look at this there, uh, Luke 24, Luke 24, 1 through 12. How are we going, guys? Good. My heart is as a church, and I'm talking about the church worldwide, that we're not blind to how God uses and wants to use women. All right, we'll look at verse, we'll look at verse 9 here, Luke 24, 9. When they came back from the tomb, oh, we've got to go before that. <laughs> oh, we'll start from the beginning. Luke 24, 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So the women had these spices that they were going to apply to Jesus' body, to anoint his body, and they were going to care for his dead body. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning 
stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. So they're the first one proclaiming the word of God and what God had done in the resurrection of Jesus. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, a lot of Marys, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. So they told this to the apostles, but they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now, this is the thing. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the men will not believe the women, and sometimes what we say, if it's the word of God, will seem like nonsense. But stand on the word of God. Stand on the truth. This caused Peter to... Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And so they then the apostles realized that Jesus rose from the dead too. So Mary Magdalene was the first one Jesus chose to appear to after the resurrection, according to these John 20, 11 through 18. We have Matthew 28, 8 through 10, Mark 16, 9 through 11. Mary Magdalene and the women um, that the Lord first appeared to. So pretty cool, huh? Next, the New Testament documents female ministers and leaders. The New Testament documents female ministers and leaders. Look at the list of some of the women God used to minister and lead in the New Testament. Now, this took me a while to compile because <laughs> I want to make sure I get it all right and... Uh, well, look at some of these. I found this very encouraging to see how God used these women. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He has not changed. Acts 21.9. And we're soon coming to a close. We have a Philip here, and the Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven, and it says, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So Philip, the evangelist, had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And then we read about Phoebe. Go to, if you go to Romans 16, 1 to 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. A deacon, a minister. This is what it, what it means. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. So Paul is commending this sister to the whole church in Rome. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon or a minister of the church in Sechiria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So she helped Paul, and she was a minister, and she served, and she's being recommended there. Then there's something that I, I don't know if I put it in here, but I, I'm remembering now is Luke chapter 8, how God used women in Jesus' ministry to provide for him and his disciples we have here uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So they went around, they were preaching, they were teaching, they were doing miracles, but they also had to have their natural needs taken care of, like food and clothing and different expenses that they would have as they travel. Well, notice what it says here. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. So even though she had seven demons and 
She was doing things that were not uh, lawful or moral. She was delivered, she was healed, and she was the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus. So this is how God saves. This is how the Lord delivers. He turns things around and then uses somebody, even though they were cast out of society, especially a Jewish culture for a woman to be like this was really frowned upon. And then God takes this one that is delivered of seven demons and been doing all sorts of immoral things, uh, we can infer, and raises her up and She's the first one to witness the resurrection. So it's, it's Mary's prayer again. God takes the poor, the humble, the broken, the outcast, and raises them up and uses them for his glory. We tend to think about, what about, oh, my past, my past, my past. But God says, I've forgiven you. I've cleansed you. You are my servant now. I've chosen you. So there's Mary from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Husa, the manager of Herod's household. So Herod was, of course, a very powerful leader. Well, the manager is, the manager in there is a, uh, a Christian, uh, one of the early disciples. So God has his people in strategic spots. He has his people in the government places and next to people of high power. And they, they, they get to shine the light there. And this is one of those women. Well, she had some money working there, it seems. Then Susanna and many others. So it says there was many others, many of these women. And then look at what it says now. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So they were giving to the ministry. They were giving to Jesus and his disciples. And they were grateful. And they were naturally helping and providing for them. I'm sure with, with finances, with, uh, with food, uh, with clothing, with all types, of, all types of support. So this was a, a wonderful way that God was using these women. Now, God can use men like that too, but we're just putting the spotlight on women. How about Priscilla? We have Priscilla uh, and also Mary we read of. We'll go to Acts chapter 18. Acts 18. I don't know if I will read all of these, so don't get worried if you think we're going to read all of these, but I wanted to read some of them, and then you could read, you could read the rest of them. But I would, my spirit was so excited when I read of all these women who God used in powerful ways. Acts 18.24 Oh, this is how. Now I gotta make make sure we got the right scripture here. We got Acts 18. We'll start in verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Now, Priscilla is interesting. Priscilla's name, the woman is put first. This was not normal. Back then, it was always the male name first, then the female name. But here in Scripture, you have the female name first, Priscilla, and then her husband, Aquila. And then we read that they come across Apollos. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native in Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. When he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, when Priscilla, uh, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. There's this husband and wife team, but interesting that the wife is put first and they were able to explain the way of God more accurately to Apollos. And that's Priscilla there and you can read the other uh, verses we have junia chloe lydia Eudea, sinatica nympha aphia and an unknown an unknown lady chosen by god in john's letters that's in second john verse 1 and verse 13 so all of these all of these women 
God is using and are mentioned in the New Testament, and they are praised and they're valued and they're appreciated and celebrated. So I want to encourage you, take this list and read it. And um, what was that? Yeah. yeah. And I, I notice I'm tidy up. I'm going to tidy up the part with Priscilla and Mary. I'll, I'll, I'll make the, uh, the references better. So I'll tidy this up when I get home. And, and Yeah. But it's a good list. Last thing is what it says in Galatians 3.28. And we'll turn there. And this is, this is our conclusion. Galatians chapter... 3, verse 28. We'll start in verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And then it goes on to say, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This speaks about the liberation that the good news brings. Now, often we divide, you know, who's better? Is it the Americans? Is it the Chinese? Is it the Russians? Is it the Australians? Is it the English? You know, there's all divisions in this world over our nationality and race. And this can come with also male and female. Who's better, male or female? And there's that fight that, that goes on. And then Jew or Gentile, that was a big issue back then because God entrusted the word of God to the Jews. But the Jews were meant to be like a mother and birth salvation into the world for all the nations to uh, appreciate and value it and receive it. So it's how God used the Jews. It doesn't mean that the Jews are better than the Gentiles or the Gentiles are better than the Jews. God wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of him. In other words, the Lord wants Jesus as the center at center stage. The Lord wants Jesus at center stage. And this is what the good news is about. It's about salvation. So the last point here is there is neither male or female in Christ. It is not meaning that there is no male or female. It is meaning that these distinctions are not important for God using you. Uh, it's not that, oh, the male, could be the, the male has to be the leader, a female can't lead. Of course, ideally, you have a husband and wife team like Anna and I, hallelujah. <laughs> but you can have a female leader church or a study group, or, and God uses females in mighty ways like we see with Priscilla uh, just before. The good news liberates humankind from all the barriers that divide people. So the gospel is the good news. The good news is the gospel. So gospel means good news. Good news means gospel. I like to repeat that. The good news liberates humankind from all the barriers that divide people. Jesus puts us all on equal ground. What matters is Jesus and his glory. Not Jew or Gentile, privileged or unprivileged, male or female, according to Galatians 3, 28 through 29. So what if we're in a situation where there's a church and they don't want uh, a female to speak out or they want you to wear a head covering or something like that? What do you do in that situation? Please don't say, I'm liberated and try to speak out. You've got to listen to me. And what you do is you respect the culture that is there, but you realize that that's not Jesus' ultimate intention, but the ultimate intention of Jesus is for you to love the community too. So he doesn't want you to be a, a, a disruptor or a pain in the neck or 
have some type of protest there. <laughs> he wants you to love the people and not make a big deal about that, but realize that Jesus died for so much more. He died for, and that's what we want to see in this church. Go back to what the Bible says without all of the uh, rules of men and go back to what God wants, the Father's heart. So realize that the Father's heart is looking to liberate, looking to heal, but, not, but at the same time we respect the values of the group or the culture that we're in. Hallelujah. I think you understand, so that's good. Amen. <laughs> Let me pray, and then we're going to, we're going to pray for the moms too, and, and then we'll dismiss. Father, we give you glory and praise and honor for all that you're doing and how you have chosen women in your plan, not as a, uh, a mere sidekick, but as those who are tremendously valued by you, Father, and loved by you. So much so that Jesus was born of a woman. And I'm praying that that warrior spirit that we read about in the scripture with Deborah would be with all of our women and all hearing this, that the women of God would arise. And in Jesus' name, I prophesy to the women, arise, throw off the restraints, throw off the chains, and be the woman of God that he has called you to be. Do not be dictated by society. Be a shining light. Be like Jesus. Know your inheritance. And Father, this is what I am believing for, praying for, prophesying. That your face would shine on the women, that they would feel a divine empowerment and anointing and also wisdom from heaven as we navigate all different cultures. But we know that we're in the kingdom culture above all. Hallelujah. We are in your kingdom culture. So we're asking that you would raise up the women preachers and teachers and leaders and ministers. And put it on the heart of each one what you want. We're not putting anybody in a box here. We're saying, you are the Lord of male and female. And you are the center. And without, without you, there is nothing. And that both male and female are made in the image and likeness of God. Both male and female are made in the image and likeness of God. So let your blessing rest on the women. In Jesus' name, amen.